Seltzer Kings Podcasts. Hey, are you into werewolves, mad sciences, and a little bit of witchcraft? Then stay tuned for an all-new episode of Watch Corner. We're riding this train straight into the sun. Woo! Tune in to a classic episode of Watts Corner on the Seltzer Kings Network. Available on all podcast platforms. The following podcast contains... Your use of language has altered since our arrival. It is currently laced with, shall I say, more colorful metaphors. Double dumbass on you and so forth. You mean the profanity? Yes. That's simply the way they talk here. Nobody pays any attention to you unless you swear every other word. Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When you told a woman to sit down and shut up, what the hell were you thinking? I'm your host, Dave Bledsoe, and this is a Friday, February 10th, 2016, Massa Jeff's Got a New Job edition of the show, where we discuss the appointment of one Jefferson Beauregard Sessions III to Attorney General of the United States. I say, I say, stay tuned. The What the Hell Were You Thinking podcast is brought to you by Dale's Dry Cleaners, keeping clan robes and the South snowy white since 1932. How can you expect to keep the South white if you can't keep your robes that way? Dale's Dry Cleaners has been ensuring the racial and fabric purity of Alabama for four generations. No matter if it's soot from a burning cross or blood spatter from a savage beating, Dale's will remove the stain from your robes just like you're removing the stain of a Negro from our society. Ask about our family plan. When you drop off your Imperial Grand Wizard robes, Dale's will clean your Clavin's Kleagles, Clexters, and Clogan robes for free. Dale's, if only we could make America as white as we get your robes. In the deep south, to be frank, I find these people anything but deep. I was in... Uh... I was in Birmingham, Alabama, working a small comedy club called I Don't Get It. And, uh, Alabama. You talk about Darwin's waiting room. You know what I mean? And there are guys in Alabama who are their own fathers. You know what I mean? This is the... Uh, It's the sort of place where people read the Sunday comics with a yellow highlighter. <laughs> Just in case they stumble across a particularly meaningful passage in Beetle Bailey. That, uh... Yeah. I think the only more backward place I've ever been is West Virginia. <laughs> I mean, this place makes Mayberry look like a think tank. You know, I... Uh... I went to see Burt Reynolds' film, Cannonball Run 2, in West Virginia. At the end of the movie, everybody broke up into individual discussion groups. <laughs> Try to cut through some of that clever Reynolds subtext, you know, the uh, recurrent use of Deloise as a Christ figure. Over the past 95 episodes of this here low-rated podcast, I've been accused of many things. Why, I had Bernie Sanders supporters call me a shill for the neoliberal corporatist status quo. Certain members of the so-called alt-right implied that I allow my wife to fornicate with African-American men while I observe. And this is complicated on many levels, not the least of which is my lack of a wife. And I know that some folks accuse me of cultural bias and insensitivity when I portray ethnic stereotypes to whom I reply, How do you know I don't have an Uncle Murray? But I think the most consistent allegation 
is I'm an unfunny hack desperately in love with the sound of my own voice. <laughs> you got me pegged. But I believe the accusation that actually hurts me on the inside is that I'm a guilty white liberal who despises his own race. I mean, it's, of course, true, but I, I don't know what hurts me, and I, I feel like that I should apologize, because I've been consistently and unfairly cruel to my white brothers out there who do not choose to be bigoted assholes. They simply have no choice. They were, indeed, to quote Lady Gaga, born that way. After all, I mean, who in their right mind would choose to literally stop a senator, a respected and influential senator, a senator who is not a male, in mid-sentence from reading the words of an icon of the civil rights movement? Not, not just any icon of the civil rights movement, but Coretta Scott King. So, you know, they've probably heard of her. They, they stopped said senator from reading a letter written by said icon on the candidacy of a certain person for a federal judgeship written in 1986. A candidacy, the candidacy that I might add was blocked in 1986 because said candidate for said judgeship was considered to be too racist to hold such an august position. Did I mention this was in 1986? So naturally, since said candidate for said federal judgeship was considered too racist to be a federal judge, he was promptly elected to the Senate by the great state of Alabama. State motto, it's always 1957 here. Now, that same person, the senator is actually the Attorney General. Which brings us back to why the other senator was reading the words of Coretta Scott King, reminded us that House, that senator from Alabama was too racist in 1986. Senator McConnell, another old white guy from the South, stopped the reading of the senator who was reading the letter from Coretta Scott King, who was, of course, Senator Warren from Massachusetts, and really, how incredibly ironically is this, because she was besmirching the good name of the fellow Senator Jeff Sessions, who is now the Attorney General, by the way, insinuating that he was too racist to be Attorney General, when the Senate had already determined, in fact, that he was too racist to be a federal judge in 1986. The words used to silence Senator Warren were that she impugned the motives and conduct of our colleague from Alabama. I mean, one would think that his motives and conduct would already be sufficient to speak for themselves, but nevertheless, you see... The level of audacity, the sheer stupidity of blinding bigotry is not something these poor old white southern men choose to do. It's something they cannot help but do. You think that was entirely too confusing, Gavin? Yeah, me either. Make, make them fucking work for listening to this show. Let us speak of Jefferson Beauregard Sessions III of Selma, Alabama. Born 1946 to Jefferson Beauregard Sessions Jr. and Abby Powell Nays Sessions. Let me just take a second here to talk about the naming conventions of the Deep South. I don't like the way this is going, Sergeant. Anyone who is a third, you can write off as a douchebag instantly. I say this as a Southerner with a junior tacked on my name. Juniors universally turn out to be a family disappointment. I know, because again, junior on my name... But thirds, you know, anyone in a family vain enough to produce a third is aiming for maximum pretentiousness and a career in politics or possibly slave trading. And also, when you are named after not one, but two Civil War stalwarts, Jefferson Davis and General P.T. Beauregard, you probably aren't going to end up chairing any NAACP meetings. 
Jeff, as his friends in the Senate gym like to call him, except Cory Booker, who's required by Senate rules to refer to him as Massa Jeff, graduated Huntington College in 1969 and did what so many other young men of his generation did, promptly went to law school. Now, I don't want to insinuate that young Jeff studiously avoided serving in Vietnam because that would be unfair. He did, in fact, serve in the United States Army <coughs> Reserve. <coughs> From 1973 through 1986, I would like to note that the Vietnam War was winding down by 1973 and was over by 1975, and we weren't fighting anybody in 1986, so I'm sure he committed many acts of heroism. You have offended my honor, sir. I've only begun to, Jeff, trust me. In 1975, young Jeff was appointed to the assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District of Alabama. In this role, he distinguished himself by filing federal civil rights charges against the KKK members who murdered a young black man. I mean, he signed the papers, but he totally didn't prosecute those charges or anything like that. But I want to be clear, he did actually sign some papers, and he's very proud of that. He also demonstrated his commitment to the Constitution by actually prosecuting three black community organizers... And just let me say this, do you think that black community organizers can stir up all sorts of trouble for white folks down south? Yes, we can. Anyway, he indicted them for vote tampering in 1985. Those three activists, by the way, were quitted by an Alabama jury in three hours. You can read into that what you will about the merits of Jeff's case. In 1986, as we mentioned, he was nominated to a federal judgeship by one Ronald Wilson Reagan. Praise his glory, Nigel. You praise his glory. I don't know if I, if I mentioned this earlier, but uh, that nomination didn't turn out too well for Jeff because he was found just a, a touch too racist to hold the position by the Republican majority Senate. I mean, the Senate Judiciary Committee chair was Strom motherfucking Thurmond, a man so unabashedly racist, he actually ran for president as a racist, but that was in the 1940s, and that was actually pretty normal. But he was so racist, he made Jesse Helms seem like meathead from All in the Family. Well, what would our leaving solve? I mean, with or without protesters, this country would still have the same problems. What problems? Well, it's the war, the racial problem, the economic problem, the pollution oh, problem. Oh, come on, if you want to nitpick. <laughs> nitpick? Let me tell you something, Mr. Bunker. No, let me tell you something, Mr. Stivic. You are a meathead. <laughs> what is it called? A meathead. Dead from the neck up. Meathead. I mean, so racist that he did up to and including having a black daughter that he kept hidden from his family and the public that only came out after he was dead. All of that being true of the chair of the, the Republican chair of the Senate Judiciary Committee and Jefferson Beauregard Sessions III was still so toxically bigoted that he was denied a federal judgeship. But for his part, Jeff has long maintained that his political enemies made a lot of mountains out of the molehills, what with him referring to the NAACP as un-American and being okay with the Klan until he found out they smoked pot, or that time that he called a white civil rights lawyer a race traitor. I I'm sorry, sorry, I I'm told he was not called a race traitor, but a disgrace to, the er to his race. We regret the error. Oh, and there were those times that he referred to the black assistant U.S. attorney as boy. Those clearly all taken out of context. Why you gotta bring that up? That's in the past. 
You're right. You're right. Of course, of course. It's, it's, we have to look at what happened to Jeff since he became the senator from Alabama, not long after being declared too racist to be a non-judge, to be a federal judge in 1986. I mean, God, think about that for a second. This guy is denied and disgraced for hating black people. So Alabama looks at him and says, yep, that's the guy we want to be our next senator. That right there is Alabama in a nutshell, folks. And as a senator, Jeff Session has championed so many causes. I mean, he took that stand against the Violence Against Women Act, and he voted for that constitutional amendment to ban gay marriage. Oh, and then was the time he voted against including gender identity and hate crimes legislation. Oh, there were other brave stands against affirmative action. And let's not even get started on immigration where he believes, and, and I want you to know that, that I'm paraphrasing here and not quoting him directly, but he believes in just shooting the fuckers at the border. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention that Jeff Sessions is also vehemently anti-abortion, so vehemently anti-abortion, he's about six inches shy of forcing Alabama women into red dresses. Is Jeff a racist even if he doesn't use the N-word or spit on old black ladies on their way to church? (laughs) Of course he is! You need to understand that racism is the system for people like Massa Jeff. This is the fucking rich nougat at the center of Republican candy. You will never hear them use racist language if there's any non-white people around them. And they will parade a litany of African-American, quote, friends and co-workers, unquote, who will testify how they've never been treated as anything other but kind and decent. Meanwhile, the old white racist has done everything in their power to prop up and propagate a system that is entirely designed to disenfranchise African-Americans socially, economically, and politically. Jeff Sessions and people like him don't burn crosses on lawns? They draw a big red line on a map deciding where black people are allowed to buy a home. They don't go down to the polling place and put a rope on a tree to let black voters they know they aren't welcome there. They just quietly close the polling place, making it entirely harder for black voters to even exercise their franchise. <laughs> they would never go to the school to keep a black student out. They'll just pass laws, making it easier for wealthy white kids to go to private schools and slowly pull fundings from the public ones. And if a few poor white kids happen to f- as well, well, they're willing to pay that price for a better future for the wealthy white kids. You know, all the while the GOP Senate was huffing and puffing about Democrats playing the race card, and the Democrat senators were talking about the kind of overt racism Jeff's failed first failed confirmation hearing had, all you, as the public, needed to do was look at his actual voting record in the Senate. Listen to the things he said while stumping for the bathrobe-clad demigod currently wandering the halls of the West Wing, screaming at Joe Scarborough on the TV screen like Gavin at the vending machine when the Twix bar doesn't drop. Just rock the damn thing, Gavin, you big baby. He's demonstrated over and over again exactly how he feels about women, minorities, and certainly the gays. They're barely human. But hey, it's just how they do down in Selma. Jeff isn't a backwards-ass bigot because he wants to be. He's a backwards-ass bigot because he was born that way. This is the kind of Paleolithic behavior that is hard-coded into his DNA, his father, grandfather, great-grandfather, who I cannot confirm fought in the Civil War, probably to the everlasting shame of his family. I mean, maybe he joined the Confederate Army Reserves in 1864. Generations of white bros in the South have married and sired children with generations of white babes who 
grew up, attended cotillions, starting the whole circle of life. Again, each generation begat in the next generation of racists in a closed loop designed to preserve a way of life that should have been rooted out during Reconstruction. I mean, I don't want to say that they're inbred, because when I say that, I don't want to say that. I've sufficiently implied that they are, in fact, highly inbred. Honestly, the stereotype about backwards hillbillies being a bunch of inbred racists. Take a look at the family tree of an upper-class southern gentility, and you will see everyone is at least a second cousin to everyone. It gives a whole new meaning to the term sister-wife. And I don't want you to think that I'm just saying all this because I enjoy savaging white southern racists. Yeah, I really do. But I also mean it when I say that a lot of these old white people cannot help but be racist. I mean... Let me talk about growing up in the South back when I did in the 1970s, which I think I might have done a time or two. But, you know, you shouldn't let that stop you from going. In 1970, the year after I was born, there were 3,376 people in the town of Etowah, Tennessee. 93% of those people were white. I mean, damn white. This radio, this is radio, so you can't see me. But rest assured, dear listener, I am just as white as I sound. Maybe even whiter. And I look back on my first grade class picture, and there is one black kid to 23 white kids, and I am damn sure the photographer brought that kid along just in case. Meanwhile, in East Etowah, they had black families. Indeed, it was all black families. And in pure southern segregation tradition, it was literally right across the railroad tracks, in the county, and not in the city school system. I didn't know any black kids, I didn't see any black kids, and I certainly didn't think about any black kids. And again, this was in 1970. I was, however, culturally speaking, light years ahead of my parents and, coincidentally, Jeff Sessions' generation, who grew up actively thinking about black kids and how they were criminal, inferior, and probably about to rape every one of them. That none of this was true in no way impacts on the brains of an old white racist. They believe this to be true the same way they believe that white Jesus lives in white heaven and is preparing a place for them for all eternity, presumably in a strictly segregated neighborhood. And I have to wonder if white heaven is black hell. Because I know for a fact that black heaven would be fucking cool. Have you ever been to a black church? I mean, it's awesome, and I'm an atheist. And I don't want you to think that I'm talking about a Confederate flag-waving, coal-rolling, thick-brained, redneck kind of racism. Because honestly, that shit is probably more common in the North these days. No, 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 no. I'm talking about a genteel old-fashioned southern racism. Why, Jeff would no more use the N-word in polite company than he would give a woman health care. Such things just aren't proper. Old white races are unfailingly polite to the Negroes, and that's the proper terminology for their generation, and a few more avant-garde might say blacks, but not many. You can bet that there is an African-American woman who worked for Jeff Sessions' family for decades for whom he considers part of the family but in no way would approve one of her grandchildren actually becoming, you know, an actual part of the family because such things are not proper. Old white racists are born into racism. They grew up with it. It defined their formative years. And then we took it away from them. Now, keep in mind, everything I'm about to do is to show empathy towards a Trump voter and teach them what teach you, the average normal human being, what it might be like to be a Trump voter or Jeff Sessions. So bear with me now. It's like if we said as a society, you know what? Star Wars is bad and you can't talk about Star Wars anymore. Bust this. 
Those movies are about how the white man keeps the brother man down, even in a galaxy far, far away. Check this shit. You got Cracker Farm Boy, Luke Skywalker, Nazi poster boy, blonde hair, blue eyes. And then you got Darth Vader, the blackest brother in the galaxy, Nubian God. All of your life, when someone says, the moon looks beautiful tonight, you automatically said, that's no moon. But now they're like, dude, no, you can't say that. You grew up with posters of Luke and Han Solo on your wall, but now people are telling you it's awful that you did that and you should be ashamed of hanging those posters on your wall. And forget about dressing up in your Imperial Stormtrooper costume. Oh, hell no! How would that make you feel? Star Wars was a defining part of your childhood. You identified with it. You shared it with your friends, and then suddenly the entire world decides that you cannot like Star Wars anymore. And if you do, I'm just sorry, you're an awful person. This is what it feels like for an old white racist today. We should feel sorry for these old white racists. Or at least that seems to be the narrative I'm hearing from the GOP. These are good people. They're not evil. They just feel in their hearts, because what's in their hearts is important, not what they actually say and do, that white men are no longer revered and respected like they ought to be. So they had no choice but to send politicians like Trump or Jeff Sessions to places where they could enact policies to put back put the things back to the way they ought to be. Jefferson Beauregard Sessions isn't a cultural relic from the days of Jim Crow preserved from a cryo stations and reanimated. He's a cultural and political correction from disaffected white people. Bull fucking shit. What he is, is the latest in a long and persistent system of right-wing politicians who actively work to undermine the social progress of the past five decades. His political goals are clear, his motives articulated through years of voting history, and his methods are transparent. Jeff Sessions will use the office of the U.S. Attorney General, the people's lawyer, by the way, to actively undermine civil rights and criminal justice reform. He will clamp down on immigration of all kinds using the full power and force of the national law enforcement system to oppress and disenfranchise persons of color, persons not conforming to traditional gender and sexuality roles, and most definitely persons of a non-Christian faith. This is not a conspiracy theory, it's demonstrable fact based on his record and rhetoric, and I'm not in the least sorry for calling him a racist. Some people say we lefties have overused the word racist, call the Republicans racist for any old thing they do. I don't know, like ignoring a predominantly black city when a massive hurricane hits and breaks its levees. People say the word loses its power when we use it to ascribe a racial motive to political maneuvers, like tailoring voting laws with, quote, laser-like precision to disenfranchise minority voters, unquote. They say the word doesn't mean anything when we apply it to acts that are clearly unrelated to how the actor feels about the skin color of the person they're interacting with, like when a cop shoots a black man in the black while running away and then drops a weapon next to him so he can lie about what happened on his police report. They say we just can't keep calling racist out for being racist because the word loses all meaning through dilution. Most of all, they say that this just really hurts their feelings because when Ted motherfucking Cruz went on Fox News to point out how much it wounds him when liberal called out his incredibly racist policy for being racist and the Democrats, by the way, were actually the party that started the KKK. You, you dim fuck. Those Democrats became Dixiecrats and then they became Republicans and they supported Jim Crow and then they, you fucking smug ass douche widget. I say fuck them.
when a racist is doing racist shit, whether it's using a, ra- using a racial slur or calling a black man boy or refusing to enforce the Voting Rights Act, you call them out. And if they're a sitting senator and you are on the floor of the Senate, you call them out. And if they're the fucking Attorney General of the United States, you call them out. No one ever stopped an atrocity by keeping silence. Silence is the enemy of progress. It's the enemy of democracy. So if I have impugned the honor of the former senator from Alabama, I do not apologize. If he wants to challenge me to a duel, I will meet his ass on the commons at dawn and I'll choose knives because this fat middle-aged southerner who has grown up being a little racist got over his shit and I will cut that racist bitch. And I will not take your warning. I will not take your explanation. And I will persist in shoving this fucking word racist up your shriveled, wrinkled, rule, rustic, racist asshole. That is it for our show this week. We are three episodes away from our big 100th show. We're trying to figure out what we want to do. Gavin's in favor of a live marathon show on Facebook where we're all five or six listeners. Watch me drink, shout, turn red, and eventually pass out drooling on the mic stand. I'm up for it, but I don't think you, the listener, are quite ready for that much real in your life. It's like the podcast equivalent of watching Steve Bannon take a shit. I believe it was a sick fuck. If you have ideas for our big show, hit us up on Twitter at the Hell underscore podcast or the show name on Facebook. You can email us at whatthehellpodcast at gmail.com or even call the show's listener line at 347-687-9601. Rate and review all the shows on iTunes so others can share in that rich mental picture of a bloated, puffy, gin blossom Steve Bannon squatting on the bowl, grunting out his daily whiskey shit. You bastard! You bastard! Goddamn you! All of the shows are on iTunes and Stitcher and the show name on SoundCloud. For me, Dave Bledsoe, who's also a florid-faced, spittle-flecked, pissed-off, middle-aged political firebrand with his own poo problems, and now the thoroughly horrified producer Gavin and all the other fictional poopers on this show. God, this show has just been a mess tonight, and we are so sorry. We we really just didn't even try. We want to say... Wake up, Jeff. Wake up, Jeff. <laughs> Oh, fuck it. We're just going to play this song because, no, this show has just been a mess tonight. I'm sorry, everyone. I'm sorry. I I thought I had a thing, and we didn't. We'll see you all next week. Anthony's awake, so let's have another guest now. Oh, my goodness. It must be Jeff. Wake up, Jeff. Everybody's wiggling. Wake up, Jeff. We really need you. Wake up, Jeff. You're missing all the fun now. Wake up, Jeff, before the day's through. Seltzer Kings Podcasts.